Hello and welcome to Talking Oscars. I'm your host, Aziz 2A Jerry, and there's no way in hell I can find a decent pun for this paddle, so let's just go on with our lives. And as in previous episodes, we have a new guest today. Uh, can you please announce yourself, guest? Hey, I'm Matthew J. What's up, man? What's going on? I'm excited to be here. Again? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, behind the scenes, we're, like the first time we tried to record this, is it fucked up on my end. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we recorded like two months ago, so if you think you're awesome, Wait, when you were on here no, before me. it was three months ago. Yeah, exactly. So if you <laughs> if you think, oh, I can't believe I got on there before Match A did, think again, whoever yeah. was on here recently. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Matt, Matt is our, the most famous of our guests so far, and because he does like uh, his YouTube channel, like dissecting cartoons and dissecting filmmaking. It's actually quite entertaining. It's, it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Part. No, absolutely, man. So anyways, as tradition uh, in our podcast and laziness on my part, I asked the guests to explain what the conceit of the podcast and their choice. Okay. So you told me to pick a year of the Academy Awards to talk about. So I picked... Well, but what is the that's conceit the show. You bring, of the podcast? You bring a guest first. on to pick a year of the Academy Awards and then you guys discuss all the awards of that year, particularly the Best Picture winner. Is that correct? Am I leaving anything out? Yeah, uh, yeah, and we, we want to have a discussion whether or not it was worth it or not. Was there any? Did we think that they left out like other movies that were not nominated? Or usually we focus more on the circle that was nominated that year because if we try to discuss, oh, there are other movies that deserve nominations, this podcast will never end. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and it's just a podcast about movies, and you've, <laughs> you've lost your niche. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, what was your choice again? I picked uh, the Academy Awards from 1977, uh, which, which is are, the uh, with the award was held in 1978. Yeah, they aired in uh, they aired in 78, but the the for the films we're talking about are from 1977 because that was the year that one of my favorite movies of all time, Annie Hall, won Best Picture, uh, and it beat Star Wars. Uh, and I think that's a correct thing. A lot of nerds like to say that's the incorrect thing. No, Annie Hall is one of the best movies ever made. It's better than Star Wars. It's great. And there were a lot of really... The 70s are my favorite time for, period for movies, and a lot of really great 70s movies were nominated that year. Right. Um, it's just... That, that's the thing. I mean... Uh, what's it called? The other movies, like Star Wars won the awards for mostly the ones that are, like mostly people know for, know for it. So. Mm-hmm. All right, anyway. So, why did you choose this movie? Well, I mean, it is... Uh, Oh, I it's picked it, yeah. yeah, mainly because of Annie Hall, but then I also was surprised to find out that it's the 50th annual Academy Awards, so it's also kind of a banner year for the Academy Awards. Right, yeah, there's this thing called the Red Grape speech, I'm reading the wiki on it right now, where like the, uh, like Vanessa Redgrave, when she won the Best Supporting Actress for Julia, she's mm-hmm. like, and like, like she made like some, you can read it all, the whole story uh, on there. It was interesting that because... Like everybody commented on her and they made a big deal out of it. It's it's just it's interesting. It's not interesting. It's kind of sad to see that when Marlon Brando, uh, what's it called? Uh, when Marlon Brando protest, protested whatever lives is, he did not get this much backlash as much as mm-hmm. Vanessa Redgrave did. And it just he protested it, her speech because she implied the Holocaust happened. And as we all know, Marlon Brando is a notorious Holocaust denier. Uh, um, did you know that? I did not know that, but that was in my case. My case That's is true. that when Marlon Brando protested back in, when, when he won Best Actor and he's like protested the American Indian uh, rights, mm-hmm. nobody gave him as much shit. Like he didn't even show up, so no, nobody gave him as much <laughs> shit as they gave Vanessa Redgrave, which is kind of sad. 
But anyways, on to <laughs> the freaking anyhow. I stand by what I said, though. Notorious uh, Holocaust denier. Uh, Alan Brando. Look, man. Uh, look, uh, we're, we're, we're getting into political subjects. And, like, try, let's, let's just move on. So, what did you look like? Look it up. Uh, dude, let's Hang on, move I gotta on. edit his Wikipedia page on. real quick. Let's, oh, my God. No, Matt, move on. Please. <laughs> All right, so, what did you oh, think Oh, and of I Annie agree Hall? with him. Did I say that part, that he's right? Oh, my God. Matt, Matt, I please don't. To, see, this is how you get listeners, man. You gotta stir up some shit. Matt... Yeah, like people want to listen to you know uh, decent discussion, not stirring up shit. Just move all on, right, just talk. All right, all right. So why did you like Anyhow? Oh, it's one of the best movies ever. I love that it, it basically set the template for romantic comedies to come after it. It kind of solidified uh, Woody Allen's what he would become known for. Like before that, he was mostly known for like silly comedies and very physical comedies, and this was kind of like his headiest, uh, smartest, most, you know, wittiest movie at the time. Uh, and it kind of became, you know, and then it was followed by Manhattan and Hannah and her sisters and all those movies uh, and kind of became his style was set by Annie Hall. And it also is very interesting how it happened basically by accident. Like it was a different movie that he edited down to one subplot of it. That was the Annie Hall subplot. Uh, and it gave us, you know, what we know Diane Keaton as, it's just a brilliant, hilarious, wonderful movie that gets better every time I watch it, and I've seen it like a hundred times. I love that movie. I watch uh, it once every couple of years. Yeah, speaking of editing, like everybody always ignores the edit the editor's role in these movies, but mm-hmm. like seeing Star Wars, like the honestly, the only thing that saved that movie is the ed- is the editor, Marcia yeah. Lucas, I think. George Lucas's uh, wife. Yeah. Ex-wife. Uh, well, yeah. Um, and uh, what's it called? And speak, Steven Spielberg. This is a movie before Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The only thing that saved it was the editing again with Marcia Lucas. It's which it, movie was that? Jaws. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but now I was like reading all about like I have. I'm reading. I'm currently reading. Uh, Raging Bulls and Easy Riders. It's a very fascinating. I've always book. wanted to read that book. It's a great book, uh, and also it mentions Woody Allen. Like they were, like they mm-hmm. mentioned him on the side, but apparently he was the de facto Dan Harmon of the seventies, where he was hired just to punch up dialogue. Yeah, he would punch a lot of stuff up. He was he was pulled in to do a lot of that. Yeah, and uh, kind of and then he, he like his rise to prominence is uh, Annie Hall. Yeah, he was like all the you know the everyone talks about that sort of a Rat Pack group of directors, you know, Spielberg and... Uh... No, 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 no. The no, Rat so I'm, Pack saying, group... I'm saying, like, they, like, those guys, like, would, like, they knew him. He was, like, their funny friend. Oh, oh okay. Like, he that wasn't one of those guys. Yeah, well, yeah, well, he's the funny associate more than a friend. He's not, yeah. like, he wasn't in the circle that, like, like I honestly did not know which was going to be an interesting topic if we choose The Godfather later. Coppola had this... Uh, very very intricate group of people and yeah like Spielberg was... Coppola Lucas no Spielberg guys. was not with, with them they actually made fun of Spielberg he was a little bit he was friends with George Lucas uh, did, uh, yeah yeah he's friends with George Lucas later after the fact but Coppola did not like Spielberg at all oh I mean Coppola <laughs> like does Coppola like anybody oh uh, well yeah I mean Coppola this uh, I mean his uh, friend uh, Roman Polanski look. he loves that guy. Oh my God, we're you're staring up shit all this uh, like all this episode. Let's just move on. Let's move, well, he dodged. It was good friends with him. Yeah, I, I mean everybody's good friends with Roman Polanski. Like uh, honestly, like <laughs> no, no seriously, everybody mm-hmm. was. He was a very highly respected. I mean, still highly respected, yeah. kind of. But anyways, uh, but Charles Manson. Of, Charles speaking, Manson was also not really friends with him, but he knew him. Speaking, I'm 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 not gonna let you take take hold of this podcast. It's mine. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of Roman Polanski, he uh, Woody Allen is one of the people who we have to, like not we have to, but if you want to disassociate the 
artist from his art. You know what I mean? And it's oh, just absolutely. That, that's one of the things that are like, like honest, like I'm not saying, uh, I'm not, uh, for me, like honestly, the only Woody Allen movie I liked before I saw Andy Hall was Red ja- uh, Blue Jasmine. Mm. That was the only good movie. Oh, I saw. so you, so that was a later movie. That was only like, what, four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like he may, uh, from, in my opinion, I don't think, I think Woody Allen is just, he has this one movie that everybody loves, and that's it. That's it. And he just rode them the coattails of that movie to, 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 to this day. And that's I my think opinion. That's, I think that's a ridiculous statement. That's, well, <laughs> He's you, made you a think, lot of great movies. Sure. Please, please name, me, name me another uh, movie. If, if, in your opinion, then you'll like. Okay, I don't, I don't care for that movie. Bullets Over movie. Broadway. Oh, I don't care for that movie, too. Uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. Oh, wow. All, you're naming movies that changed the landscape of movies. Wow. By the way, that Radio was sarcasm. Radio Days. That was sarcasm. Anyways, but to, to the point What's is What's that like, one with Scarlett Johansson? The second one that you made with her. Uh, Vicky know. Christina Barcelona. That's a good movie. Oh, Midnight oh, in Paris. That's a great movie. I love that movie. Okay, yeah, that was a decent movie. But I mean, like I said, for me, like I've never understood why Woody Allen is regarded as one of the Hollywood greats. And then I saw Annie Hall. I'm like, oh, he made a movie that will always be forever cemented. In the conscious of the Amer- uh, of the Hollywood cinema, mm-hmm. it's um, during the time like after well, again reading the book that Jaws changed the Jaws and the Godfather changed the idea of intimate movies that started with Bonnie and Clyde and they said no now it's the blockbuster ideal now it's Star Wars there's this small movie about a witty guy in his like this well I mean in his own words a, a Jewishly sexual a Jewish sexually repressed comedian that wants to find. <laughs> <laughs> Solace and women is just oh my god this movie this movie and that uh, too i mean the 70s were a big time of um sexual expression and ex- exploration you know that was right in the wave of, of the free love time of the 60s right i mean it was it was there was a lot of overly sexual content in movies like there hadn't been in previous times and annie hall was one of the first movies to really intelligently discuss sex which hadn't been done much in film. I don't think it discusses well, if, even if it tells you, I think it discusses more of feelings towards it, like because that, that's the difference. Between I mean, that's all people. wrapped up in the same. No, um, this, this is one of the few discussions that are like for me, I, I have with Europeans and people who are who like who make fun of uh, the uh, what, what's the word for it, the prudeness of the American culture. Oh, you know like, what? That's a good point. I should say first American film, one of the first American films to uh, intelligently discuss sex. No, but I, there were movies. have been doing it for a while. And I, I know, but actually, there was a movie. I forgot its name, but um, it, it talked about. Like, it was one of it was one of the underground movies. It wasn't like a big, big deal like Annie oh, okay. Hall. But anyways, no. Um, it, Not and Breathless. That's the thing. Breathless is was pretty. Yeah, it could, pretty could big be deal Breathless. No, but uh, for me, there's a difference between talking about sex and talking about our feelings towards sex. And I think the second subject is more mature that like and how it affects mm-hmm. us in everyday life you can you can talk about sex you can have nude scenes all around wow that's such an avant-garde move but what you do about it is when you talk about intelligently how it affects us in everyday life and how it affects our psyche how it affects our what's it called everyday lives and what what it does to us and one of the things that i saw in woody allen is that he's one of the few leading men by his choice obviously but he, but uh, but uh, but i mean one of the few leading men that's not uh, I mean, he's not even like halfway decent look he's an ugly motherfucker yeah he's like a weird he's a weird scrawny you know nebbishy guy and, and he's like mm-hmm. he just complains he's like I don't know I was like but I mean that, that's the, he admits it's part of his fault but he doesn't want to change but no it's one of the things that's like it affects that, and it's usually there is this undertone of oh there's this uh, pretty people pretty couples and you know one way or another they like you know they're doing it, and it's like, and it's fine that they're talking about love and all of that. But you, Woody Allen tapped into the 
regular person, like how it affects their lives and all that. And you, Woody Allen's mm-hmm. not really a regular person. He's a, again a famous comedian that's being paid l- loads of money to punch up Hollywood movies and all of that. But he is closer to the regular person than Robert Redford will ever be. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it's seeing seeing how it discusses it and seeing how it discusses relationships and all that. And in the end, I don't know if it was by design. Woody, I did not like uh, his character and. Uh, what's called uh, Annie Hall at all? Oh, Alvy Singer is is a douchebag. That's also why I like that movie, because it's like it's this reflection of himself. It's it's a nearly autobiographical movie about a TV comedian branching out into film uh, and also falling in love with this beautiful Diane Keaton esque woman who doesn't have to be an actor, but you know she right, she also I'm... has aspirations to be an actor. But also like he still allows that character to be awful and allow every other character to be correct and allows him to just be a, a D-bag to everybody. Like, I love that about this movie. Right, no, but as a th- but that's the thing. That's where I'm, well, I'm, I'm conflicted is that did he intend for that to look, for him look like a douchebag or did he said, of course I'm right, everybody's going to agree with me. He wrote himself as himself and then realized, oh shit, no, not everybody agrees with me. In fact, oh, no, I think he's way too self-aware for that to be the case. He's I a hope, very self-aware I hope guy. He, I, I honestly... Hope he's self. I I I I don't know if he's self-aware or self-loading. There's a big difference between the two. You know I think what it's I mean? both. Maybe. Anyways, but uh, but I mean, it's one of one of the interesting things about it is that him. Uh, like one of the thing, like one of the storylines is 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 I don't know if it's criticizing, like Annie Hall and Dan, like Dan Keaton's character, whether it's like oh he wanted to improve on her and then she, left him, and I don't know if it makes fun of the character's choices or realizing that oh what, as soon as a woman is intelligent she knows that he's no good you know i don't know if it's it, it, the message is women are not intelligent should be not intelligent so they can be with me or as soon as they're intelligent they'll never be with me so i have no idea i also because that's one of the things i like about the movie is that it's not black and white it's i'm confused i'm conflicted i don't know what the message is and but i enjoyed it the dialogue could still be applied nowadays uh mm-hmm. with a minor adjustment you know you don't want like his celebrity friend who's trying to sleep with a 16 year old twins is like uh <laughs> and it's like uh but you, you, i mean you can literally just lift the script minor tweaks and you can apply it today i mean honest actually i think woody allen if if nothing if his not if it if not his movies specifically but his influence over the early 2000s way of writing and trying to be down to earth because we never i've never noticed in movies in the 80s following like following Annie Hall, not in the 80s or 90s but it was like the mid 2000s i started talking like people that are more you know down to earth and they can be whoever they are you get what i mean yeah like, absolutely yeah uh it's it's something that i've noticed like it's weird like his influence started like way later on and uh, like in my generation instead of his but I think Spielberg and Lucas were way more influential to Hollywood. I mean, he, he was very influential. Like, the Woody Allen... I, like There were a lot of copycats after right, that. Yeah, there were a lot of copycats, but like it didn't really... you know. In my opinion, I, I mean, uh, again, I grew up in this uh, generation, and the, mo- the movie that, movies that are famous more in the 80s are more... Uh, uh, oh, what's his face? The guy who did Breakfast Club in Bellar's uh, Fury. Days off. The guy who did Breakfast Club. Oh, John Hughes? John Hughes, yeah. I think yeah, he's very Woody Allen influenced. Um, yeah, and may, maybe, but I thought. Like, I mean, John Cusack's whole career, like the idea of like people said about guy. him the same things we just said about Woody Allen. Right. Yeah, but I th- I thought it was mostly influenced by, like, uh, I I I know you're gonna look weirdly at me, but mostly 
the romantic era, more American, you're more influenced by American graffiti than Annie Hall. Do you get what I mean? I mean, it could be both. Yeah, it could be because the, the idea uh, of like these personal stories about these, uh, you know, not quite leading men, not quite leading man men, uh, is a very John Hughesy thing as well. Like he, and right. he is. I mean, I've seen him. He didn't do many interviews, but when he would, he would mention you know guys like Woody Allen and Coppola. Right, yeah, I know. But I was thinking John Hughes is more uh, sincere in his approach and and uh, and down to earth and you know trying to emit a lot of emotions. While Annie Hall is mostly you know breaking down the barriers of you know uh, oh, what's the word? I'm I'm lost for words. But it's mostly just way too personal. That's what you get. What I mean? Because I don't think John Hughes is personal. I think he's more sincere. You get what I, it's like. I'm, I don't know how to explain the difference more than that. I, mean, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. It could be. No, it could be. But I'm saying is that I notice his influence more nowadays because he's more cynical. You know, that John Hughes is John Hughes is more optimistic and Woody Allen is really cynical and talks about these things and uh, the whole throughout the movie. And in, even in the end where you think, I don't know if he, uh, again, I don't know whether to read as it, is this as a happy ending or really depressing ending of the movie, you know? It just ends, and you're like, and he's and he just shrugs. That's the ending, and I'm like, is I that mean, supposed I think to it's, be? I think it's sad in the sense that we know he will never change or improve, right? And Absolutely. I mean, that's especially. I mean, he basically, with him playing and exploring this uh, same character in many of his movies, not the same as in they're all Alvy Singer, but the Woody Allen character and the character almost never learning or improving, like definitely shows that. Right, and that's why that's the reason why I say it doesn't remind me of John Hughes because John Hughes' characters go through an arc. He did not go through an arc. That's what I saw in the movie, anyways. But and like, it, well, but uh, anyway, uh, anyways, like we're talking, we're dissecting it. Like no matter no matter how you cut it, in the end, the movie for me was very uh, what was uh, I really liked it because I never I never got the impression that like it's a very 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 different movie. For me, anyways, like I've never mm-hmm. seen movies like Annie Hall, even from Woody Allen himself. I thought I'd see the Woody Allenisms, you know what I mean? But I've never mm-hmm. seen it as much as till I saw Annie Hall. So I don't know. I mean, it set the template for most of that stuff. Right, yeah, but I mean, like I said, I've, I, like it is the most Woody Allen of all Woody Allen movies, but it's weird for me. I've never noticed how different it, his, his style is until I saw Annie Hall, which is weird. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. You want, I, I want to see the original. Like a uh, uh, draft of it, like is oh yeah, it, it would barely resemble what we see. Like it was a complete, yeah. like it was a murder mystery that was sort of like a sketch movie that had a bunch of different threads running through it of different right, plots. Yeah. Right, yeah, and, and I wanted to see that. I wanted like maybe maybe it could be a very different movie, and it's it's weird, and it's one of the things that are like you. That's one of the things that a lot of there's a screenwriter that I follow. I'm not gonna mention because as soon as they say people, li- I like that screenwriter. They go, what, why? Whatever. Max Landis. Maybe, but anyways, so like he, he always, he, uh, <clears throat> they always know that like screenplay is never ever translates. So that's why, like trying to, I'm trying to understand the process how a screenplay would win, whether like and how obvious it is for because the one that changes the most is literally the screenplay because you can change it on the spot, and it's it's a very weird concept, but. Uh, uh, maybe the screenwriter, like the screenwriter guild, saw the actual original screenplay and thought it was really good. They nominated it anyways. You know, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, especially I mean, you so many people can change a script. You know, including the director. Like if the director didn't write, in this case, he wrote the movie. But like, 
a lot of times a script will barely resemble what we see on the screen because the director can just on the fly make changes and stuff. Yeah. You know, and a lot of writers want to say that's a bad thing to do, but like some, there's usually a really good reason they're changing something. Right. I mean, one of the reasons, again, going back to the book that I read, uh, Raging Bull is Writers, is that Jaws had an awful script, so they had to change it literally mm-hmm. the day before, the night before they shot, like during the downtime when the shark, the mechanism could not work at all. They're like uh, Spielberg, Dreyfus, and forgot the other guy, like would you know sit or sit around and try to discuss, and they would improvise on the spot, and then again improvise again on the set, which is just very interesting, like the way. Yeah, we were supposed on. to like apparently historically, you're supposed to see way more of the shark. Like you're supposed to see the shark a lot, and it just ended up looking like crap. And Spielberg there were was like, three sharks. No, yeah, it was not only and none of them worked. He would crap. always talk about how they don't work. Yeah, they, like I mean, uh, look, there's always gonna be different accounts of the history. Like, of course, Spielberg would want to. Uh, Spielberg, uh, like a lot of people, like, uh, like again, I read in the book that a lot of people, like Spielberg, was very, uh, what's it called, spiteful. Like in like in taking the credit for a lot of what the draws and even though there's a lot of people that help, so I have no idea. That's again, that's the doors mm-hmm. of other people. It's, but again, it's very interesting. It's it shows how like filmmaking is such a finicky process and how, getting a movie in the end that works. And that's uh, going back to our original topic. That's what, the reason I talked about it, is that like hearing about how Honey Hall, Annie Hall was supposed to be and what it turned out in the end and how it changed uh, like this scrawny little. Uh, uh, Jewish writer's life. It's interesting. He won over freaking Spielberg, who changed uh, the the game with Jaws. Everybody loved him. It's 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 weird, you know. It's interesting. Yeah, there were a ton of movies. There were a ton of great movies that year. Yeah, that, that no, and into. yeah, and I and honestly, Saturday I think, Night Fever. Oh my! Like I think I would, either John Travolta or Woody Allen would have I prefer them over Richard Dreyfuss. It's just. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is just meh on the goodbye girl. Yeah, and Richard Dreyfuss' like performance in that movie, like he's he's only isn't he only in like the second half of the movie? Uh, no, no, he's in the, the entire movie. He's still, but like I always, I feel like he doesn't, because I only saw this movie for the first time recently, and he's like not in it nearly as much as I expected. Uh, yeah, well, it's him. He, he's one half of the movie. But yeah. any, anyways, uh, uh, like Marsha Mason is the second one I think her name is. I just I'm just reading it right now. But anyways, uh, like I said, Annie Hall, like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed a lot of the like the dialogue is. Very oh, wait, I was thinking, I was I was confused because I was thinking of Richard Dreyfus from uh, Jaws because we've been talking about Jaws so much. But he went for the Goodbye Girl. Oh no, I thought we we're talking about seen. the Goodbye Girl. No, never, no, 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 no. Yeah, I was, no. I was thinking of Jaws. No, no, no. Oh, Jaws. No, no. He was great in Jaws. Are you kidding me? I loved him. He's great, but I don't know if I'd want him to win best actor. No, I don't think... I, I don't know. No, no. I don't know. I don't think he won that year, but anyways... Roy Scheider's uh, in Jaws. Come on. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I actually... We actually did the freaking episode. Who, like, I, yeah, yeah. It was freaking... Uh, what's it called? Uh, Jack Nicholson who won. Oh, for, yeah. For uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Anyways... Mm-hmm. What she deserved. I mean, that movie. It was great. So uh, it, it's great. Uh, anyways, so... But I'm trying to... Like, trying to find whatever I didn't say through my notes. Okay. So one of the things I just wanted to know is that Alice and his ex-girlfriend was that old lady from Kimmy Schmidt. That's the only thing that I, <laughs> I'm like, hey. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Carol Kane. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she's great. I loved her. Uh, she was awesome. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, that honestly. And Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall was his other right. Yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shelley Duvall before she went insane. Poor Shelley Duvall. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. 
I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I didn't, I didn't get any back and forth. I'm like, is Matt confused? We don't need to go into it. I love Shelly Duvall. I love her so much. I miss her. I wanted to make her come back. Nah, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think she is. she's going to be do that anyway. Popeye is a great movie. Honestly, like, do we have anything else to talk about Annie Hall? Like, we talked about... For Annie Hall? It's just a great movie. It's just... I don't know what we can say that anyone else hasn't said. Like, it's... it's an amazing movie it set the right. template for so many things that would come after it particularly woody allen's career and the woody allen character it's just super good and it's just as relevant today about relationships as it was you know decades ago i, I don't know if it's, it's going to be relevant i think you need to change it a little bit we got we got more um open-minded we have more open-minded but we still actually it could be relevant we still have the woody allen character yeah actually yeah. Oh, and just to I mean, just to stay on brand and say a, a cartoon fact about Annie Hall, there's that animated segment in it that uh, sort of parodies oh, right. yeah, uh, yeah. Snow White. The Woody Allen design in that is based on a newspaper strip starring him that was running, uh, I think at the time. It was either at the time or after. Wait, there was a newspaper strip starring Woody Allen? Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Like, Let me this... see if I can find the year. It's yeah. uh yeah I, I actually just saw a book of them just the other day I was I thought about buying it but yeah that that design in the cartoon uh, ran from seventy six to eighty four so it was currently running it's called Inside Woody Allen uh, it was a daily strip you could uh, call Annie Hall Inside Woody Allen a little bit yeah it was drawn by Stuart Hample uh, it was I'm sure it was good I'm sure it was funny no so but, my uh, so my innuendo did not amuse you huh <laughs> I it's fine. Oh come on! It's great. I, you, you have to you have to say you love it. I'm the host, man. Come on, it's all give, right. me, give me some praise. Come on. Uh, but that's but I also I just love '70s animation, and that little bit is just a great example of '70s animation. Like it looks like Fritz the Cat or something. Like it's got that cool, uh, sort of like sort of like dour. Like '70s animation always just looks sad to me. Like the colors, the scratchiness of the drawing that was popular at the time. Like it just always had a very um, very emotional down feeling. Like if you look at like. Uh, the Disney films of the time and Watership Down and uh, like the stuff Bluth was working on at Disney, like it always just feels very uh, not as like happy and springy and and wonderful as people expect an animation an animated thing to look like. And I just really really love that feeling that Ralph Bakshi. Uh, right, I was gonna feeling. mention Ralph Bakshi as like the most depressing yeah. of all. Animators. Absolutely, yeah. I mean Fritz the Cat itself, like that movie just it just looks upsetting. Like it just something about it. You just don't feel, you just feel, it's unsettling to look at a lot of 70s animation. I love that. I don't know why it's so, uh, like, particular to that decade, like, late 60s into the early 80s. You know, it's just, it's so, like, even if you look at the the Looney Tunes output at the time, like, those really crappy uh, TV shorts that they were doing, and then later on the, the really crappy movies that were just repackaged shorts with, you know, crappy new animation around it. Like it has that same feeling. It's very, it's very weighty and heavy and dark, and I, I like that about it. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, since you, you you capped it with the animation thing, because honestly, yeah, I don't know what to add other than that to me talking about Annie Hall. So, do you want to go to the ABCs of uh, talking Oscars? Sure. All right. So, one, does it hold up? Well, yeah, well, I think we kind of answered that. Yeah, it kind of really holds up. Um, I absolutely think it does. I watch very it almost every year, and I think it gets better every time I watch it. Yeah, it surprisingly holds up. I honestly even could recommend it to people who are not even into like a hardcore, like old timey movies. It'd be like, no, it's it's fine. It, you can it can actually relate to it. And some people that still find some relation to it. Yeah, I introduced a lot of people to that movie, and I've nobody's ever. I don't think anyone I've ever shown it to has ever like not liked it. 
Right. And then B and B and C, which it deserve to win over other the nominees and why did it win? I'm like you you um I mean any like I've seen the other like I tried to again, try to find Julian the turning point, could not find them unfortunately. So I cannot speak for them. But the Goodbye Girl, eh, no, it's one of those movies that I wish I haven't watched. I wasted like two hours of my life watching that movie. But Star Wars, now that's something that's very interesting. Um mm-hmm. They're so different. Like, it's the perfect example of, like, why the Academy Awards are kind of silly. Is that, like, it's because sometimes Annie Hall and Star Wars go up against each other, and you have to be like, which one of these is better, this apple or this orange? Dude, like, when we were talking about the 75 Oscars, where one flew over the cookie's nest, me and Brendan were talking, like, all these movies are good, but I don't know how we're going to choose. Or even in the heat of the night, they're like, there's only one movie that we don't care about, which was Dr. Doolittle. I was like, yeah, whatever, fuck it. But the rest of the four is, like, freaking Bonnie and Clyde was nominated. I'm like, all of these movies are influential. Mm -hmm. The Graduate, and it's like, I have no idea how to choose. Did The Graduate win that year? No, uh, wait, no, no, Mike Nichols won for that year, and In the Heat of the Night won for Best Picture. Wait, Mike Nichols directed The Graduate? Yeah. Okay, so he, oh, so he won Best Director, and yeah. In the Heat of the Night won Best Picture? One of the rarities that a director and the picture nominee were different. I've never seen In the Heat of the Night, but I, I think that oh, The Graduate you, was probably you, better. You listen to this podcast, you never saw In the Heat of the Night, shame. No, shame. I don't watch as many non-animated movies as I should. <laughs> Oh my god! I, once in a while, I go through. Okay, like so right now is the Criterion sale at Barnes and Noble, and I'm like, Oh, you should joke. There's a Filmstruck. That's a good service. I, I was in the beta for Filmstruck, so I have Filmstruck for free right now. Because I, uh, if you're in the beta, you get it for the rest of 2016 for free. Filmstruck is great. Their their web app during the beta sucked, and I hope it's better now. But as as far as like choice of movies to watch and special features, it's incredible. There's a lot of great stuff on there. Right, yeah, absolutely. So Watership yeah. Down to recommend an animated film. I believe Watership Down's on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it. yeah. I mean, there's not really nothing else to add. Thanks again for uh, coming in, Matt. Uh, do you want to plug any of your stuff? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm again. I'm Matthew J. I make Cartoons 101 on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash/Cartoons101. Uh, it's an exploration of the history of animation through mini documentaries. We are featured on the AV Club. Uh, I did a 30-minute three-part series about Steven Spielberg's work in animation. Uh, I did a video about the history of Robin Williams playing the genie. There's a crazy story behind that. Uh, I also went to Pittsburgh to shoot a video at the Toonzeum, a whole museum about cartoons. So if you're interested in animation at all, check it out. Thanks. And check out my stuff. Um, Aziz to Jerry, you can go to my website, www.2 as in the number, way as in the road, and then Jerry as in the name, dot com. All right, see you guys. Say bye to the audience, Matt. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.